growing audience that we have here wants to know, how much money do I need to make as an Orthodox Jew living in a somewhat busy city? How much do I need to make in order to uh, stop my hishtadlis and now uh, focus on my learning, etc.? That is that is a super hard question to answer, and it, and, and it has a lot of variable. Let's discuss it. First thing is first, let's, before we understand how much we need to make, let's understand how much the average non-Jewish person in America is making. And that'll like just provide like a context and perspective for under for like the rest of the conversation, just to show you how difficult and challenging it is sort of to, to, to live within our variables. Hey there, and welcome to the first episode of Kosher Money. Super excited to be here. I was approached a couple months ago by my brother Yaakov of Meaningful People fame, Yid with Sign, and he said, I think we got to do a podcast about money as it pertains to the Orthodox Jew. I said, go on. He goes, you know, budgeting, investing, spending, expense. I said, sold, I'm in, let's go. Where do we shoot? So two months later, we teamed up with the great Zevi Wallman over at Baltimore. And you'll hear in episode one, just how many organizations he's involved with. And I thought he would be a perfect person together with Yaakov, who started these podcasts. He's created something called Living L'Chaim, which also very excited to see all the different podcasts he's going to create and Zevi over at the OU, they've created Living Smarter Jewish, a lot of living. And you'll see in episode one, we really uh, focus on the core topics, just a sneak peek into other episodes. I think you'll like Kosher Money. Without further ado, I give you Zevi Wallman. Being a Jew, awesome. Managing personal finances, not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. This episode of Kosher Money. <laughs> okay, so my brother's laughing because we did this a few times and he kept on saying the wrong uh, website domain. So I'm going to say it. No, no, I got it. I okay, got it this time. Fine, go for it. This episode of Kosher Money is brought to you by livingsmarterjewish.org. What is that? Okay, so livingsmarterjewish.org. You hear about a lot about them in this episode and um, other episodes. They're an awesome organization that helps people tackle these from finance questions that we all have, and you'll hear so much more about them. They're an awesome resource, and you could get more information about them by going to the website. And also, you want me to say the website again? No, also emailing them. What's the email? Okay, I got it. Info at livingsmarterjewish.org. That wasn't so bad, right? There you go. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Kosher Money. I'm your host, Ellie Langer. I'm here today with Yaakov Langer, a brother of mine. Hey, how's it going? And together here with Zevi Wallman uh, of Living Smarter Jewish. And our focus here in Kosher Money is to try to help the Orthodox Jew navigate the from finance world, a busy world, a hectic world, a lot we know about, a lot we don't know about. Uh, Zevi's here with us today on behalf of Living Smarter Jewish. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Living Smarter Jewish is and what we're trying to focus on. Yeah, so thank you so much. It's really cool to be here uh, with you and with Yaakov, both of who um, I've followed for a while, so this is kind of like exciting for me as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, Living Smarter Jewish is a brand new organization. Um, I personally have been passionate about 
personal finance for a really long time. And it's something I care deeply about. It's something that I see affects a lot of people. So we're starting an organization to really provide the Orthodox community with a full sort of, I want to say solution, but like an, an opportunity to really get their arms around their financial situation. So the goal is really to have three separate parts. The first is a general conversation about the Taurus perspective on personal finance and sort of changing hearts and minds or inspiring people um, through content like this um, and and Mitzvah a lot of other content. Um, the second is to provide people with tools, like practical tools that they can use in their own lives. Easy, like tools that are easy to access, easy to use, easy to understand, and easy to incorporate into their lives. And the third thing is, on a retail level, we really hope to be able to help people one-on-one -on -one to provide free personal financial counseling for people across the country, no matter where you are, in person if possible, and even if not, via Zoom. And so that's that's going to be the goal of of uh, living smarter Jewish. I'm I'm salivating because this conversation, like what I I hope and what this will help people with, is the type of conversations that whenever it always comes up, whether you're by a meal or you're just talking to a friend about you know their their business, and we all struggle with in some way and somehow finances struggle our lives. Exactly. So I personally want to listen to these episodes <laughs> so I could really gain that uh, knowledge. No, for sure. I mean, can, can I tell a joke? Are we allowed to yeah. tell jokes on the podcast? Joke, oh, one yeah. joke per episode. One We're joke. Okay, Gullis, but okay, we'll, okay, we'll try. So, but it's okay. It's good. It's a Jewish joke. So, so Jerry Seinfeld was once on a, uh, was once asked um, by a non-Jewish comedian. He said, "Can you tell me a Jewish joke?" So um, Seinfeld said, "Sure, I'll tell you a Jewish joke." He said, um, "One Jew asked another Jew, how's business going?" And the other guy said, "It's going amazing." <laughs> Okay, that's the end of the joke. You can laugh now, right? No. So what's the what's the what's the point of the joke? Is like no Jew would ever tell another Jew like, oh my gosh, things are amazing. Like let me tell you about money. Let me tell you about my personal financial life. Like we don't talk about it, right? Like people would sooner talk about things that are theoretically way more personal, right? Than right. than personal finance. So I feel like the goal of this episode and what you guys are so good at is getting people to talk and getting people and opening conversations. And I feel like if we can if we can achieve that with this podcast series, like just talking about things that people aren't talking about, even though it affects them. And it probably affects everybody that they know also, but because nobody is talking about it, it just goes unspoken. And that's, I think, what, what, what I'd love to see and what I think you guys are going to be great at is sort of like starting these conversations. So you would say people aren't naturally good budgeters, investors, savers, um, handling their expenses. It's something that they're currently learning as they go, uh, probably not to the, uh, the way they should. Do you feel that this is something that is a very large issue in the community? Does it impact some people and not others? Um, what, 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 is the, what does the data show you in terms of um, the issue at large in the community? So you asked about budgeting. So we'll just start with that one. Well, Ellie we'll, asked like seven questions. He asked there. like seven questions. So but, yeah, so we'll come, let, let, let's, let's go one at a time. So you asked about budgeting. So it's a really good question. So I, I was the, we started a Mesila in Baltimore 
um, which is an organization that was based in Eretz Israel. We started in Baltimore. We were the second branch in the United States. We started in 2009, so we've been going for 12 years now. Mesilla's counseled about 650 families approximately in Baltimore, plus given many more classes to Hassanim and Kalas and young people. And so let's just, the budgeting question. I think, you know, for, for whatever reason, and I have no idea why, we learn algebra, calculus, trigonometry, and Shakespeare in high school, and we don't learn basic personal finance, like building a budget and the difference between checking accounts and saving accounts and credit card and good debt and bad debt. Like I know whatever. about Sokotoa, though, so... I'm I good. don't know what that is. No, really? No. Ellie, do you know Sokotoa? Sudoku? No, Sokotoa. It's, it's like trig... It's in trig. Okay. I thought it was but more... this is not an Orthodox Jewish issue, right? You would say that, 100%. you know, the Dave Ramseys of the world are trying to help anyone and everyone with Absolutely. their finances. Absolutely. And actually, Congress right now is taking up this issue to mandate that personal finance be taught in curriculum, in curricula across, like, schools in America. So this is not in any way, shape, or form the budgeting. There are Orthodox-specific issues that we'll talk right. about, I'm sure. But, like, from a budgeting perspective, like, you can't ask somebody to know something that they weren't taught. Right, like I'll, I'll give you an example, and this is like one story. This did not happen to me, but I, I heard it from from the person that it did happen to, is that there was a couple that was living in Israel, like they had just gotten married, and there was a couple that was living in Israel that was they were having like financial issues, and so they got a counselor or whatever it was, and the wife said, like I don't understand. She's like, we have no money left, but I still have checks in my checkbook. Hmm. So how is it possible that we don't have any money left? Now, that made like an extreme example, but like on some level, like if you're not taught as a kid or if you're not taught as part of like a curriculum, I don't know how you expect people to know that. So budgeting for sure. I mean, it's like a little bit of like a boring subject, like I'm sure we'll do an episode on it. And it's a little bit like a boring subject, like you have to kind of roll up your sleeves a little bit. And like I sent you guys budgets right before this episode, like family budgets. How did that go? Guys? It was painful, painful to even open up the Excel. Right. See, did I, uh, see, Ellie, let's be transparent. Did you actually open up? I opened it up. I shared it with my wife. I said, we have to do this. She says, I agree. <laughs> and then the conversation ended there. I, no, I didn't open it up. But the small part that I could say is that my wife and I, we, we budgeted every single thing for like three months at a certain point. And, and I'm sure in the budgeting episode, they'll, they'll be discussed, but I, I, I felt like a millionaire. We had so much extra money and we're like, we are not spending properly. And I'm not a big, we're not big spenders. Well, maybe you should be saving more. Well, that'll be in the saving oh, okay. episode. Oh, oh, I like see, that. there oh, you go. Oh. Yeah. So, Excellent. so if you had to talk about the different episodes, I mean, there's, there's a budgeting episode, there's a saving episode, there's looking at the largest expenses. Um, but I think something super important to hit in an early episode, maybe in episode two, is how do we view Hishtadlis versus Amuna and Batachon, or more specifically, how much work we need to put into our careers and and earning money versus believing in God and um, trusting in Him to, to provide for us, right? That's straight through Birch um, Hasamazon is talking about Hashem will provide, He is the sole provider, and anyone who believes otherwise is foolish, versus, hey, we need to go to college, we need to get a job, we need to ask for the raise, the raise is not just going to come to us. Right. Um, how do we balance those two? And I would imagine, just to piggyback off that, this is not a non-controversial exactly. topic, right? When someone hears the, the gist and, and the focus of this podcast, people are going to raise their eyebrows and be like, 
hey, where, where's their Amuna and Batachon? Exactly. No, it's it's such a good point. Um, it, it's I feel like there's a lot controvert that like has the potential to be controversial here, and I just want to say like before I even like take that on, which I won't take on because I'm not a rabbi, and 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 I you, you can't possibly give like a, a, an answer that fits all. And I think that's that's what I wanted to address before we even like get into that. I think what's super important to note here is that there is no one right answer that any guest can come on this podcast and say, like, this is the thing and everybody has to or should do this. The goal on this podcast is not to tell people what they have to do. It's to try to, like, frame issues and, like, really get into, like, the guts of framing an issue, helping them understand what the variables are. And then that gives them enough information so that, for example, they can ask a question to their rav or rabbi and say, listen, like, here's, you know, here, here's the issues that I have. Here's the issues I'm dealing with. Here's what we're going to need to be earning, like, as an example, which we'll talk about more. You know, like, what do you think I should do now? And that's, like, a perfect example of that is, like, your question of, like, emunan betachon, right? What's the right amount of hishtadlus? Like, you know, there, there was a um, Rav Yaakov Hillel, like, just put an article out in, Mish, in Mishbacha magazine. They did an interview with him in a couple, a couple weeks ago. And he said, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are working two hours a day that are making a fortune of money. Right? Like, maybe we need to be going back to the Rambam's breakdown of, of how many hours a day a person needs to be, you know, working five whatever hours a day and sleeping eight hours a day. And, you know, and, 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 and uh, sorry, and, and, and um, learning eight hours a day and the rest of is, is for their family and, and to sleep. And then on the other hand, you'll have somebody who said what you said before. Well, listen, like practical hishtadlis in 2021 is, you know, if, if you need to be making a certain amount of money, which we'll talk about, then, you, you know, the only way to do that, Baderach HaTeva, is to X, Y, and Z. And then those are the, the, that, that's the point where you do the best you can to frame the issue and then people have to ask their own questions to whomever they ask their questions to, to get personal hadracha or guidance on what to do about that. But you know, that's a really good question. Yeah. Like G I, I think it's GI Joe. They say, uh, knowing is half the battle because mm. I'm again, I'm using myself, but I, I think that represents so many from Yidin here that we're just going and doing, and, and we're trying to make money and we're trying to, to support our family. But it's also, wait, 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 we have to understand like how it's coming in, how we're spending it, how we're going about it. And if we don't even think about that, then how are we really supposed to advance in right. the, from finances? For sure. And I think G.I. Joe actually stole that quote from the Gemara, right? Okay. Like, Ooh. Right? Like the knowing how to ask the question is half the answer. I wonder if Snake Eyes is also in the Gemara. Oh. Is that, is that a G.I. Joe guy? I, I don't know. Or is that Mortal Kombat? That's I don't uh, know. the Sudoku uh, reference. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so what is the magic number, right? Based on the research oh. out there, right? You know, the, the audience, the growing audience that we have here wants to know, how much money do I need to make as an Orthodox Jew living in a somewhat busy city? How much do I need to make in order to uh, stop my hishtadlis and now... Uh, Focus on my learning, etc. Right. So that that is that is a super hard question to answer, and it, and and it has a lot of variables, um, but it's a, it's an important one that at least we talk about. Like at least we'll get into it. Like there's no one right answer for everybody, and it has a lot of variables. But let's discuss it. First thing is first. Let's before we n understand how much we need to make, let's understand how much the average non-Jewish person in America is making. And that'll like just provide like a context and perspective for under for like the rest of the conversation, just to show you how difficult and challenging 
it is sort of to, to, to live within our variables, right? So the, the median average, the median income of a, of a person in America is a single person is $31,000. And the median income of a couple, meaning a, people who are married, both of them working, $68,000, right? Which is if you're earning more than that, you're earning more than the average person, the average couple in America, right? So like straight away, pat on the back, husband's a Rebbe, wife is maybe a teacher or, you know, a, um, a physical therapist or whatever it is, they're earning 80, 85, $90,000 combined. They're already earning 25, 30% more than the average family in America. So right off the top, like that just, like just to provide a little bit of context. And then to really answer your question for every family, like we said before, there's not one right answer for every family for sure. But with that being said, if you live in the tri-state area and you want to live in, in, in an average to, you know, a house that can accommodate a family of four, five, six children, let's say with a mortgage of three, $4,000 a month, maybe some, some more, some maybe a little bit less, right, with a good interest rate, and you want to send your kids to yeshiva and pay full tuition. So we'll talk more about tuition like as a separate thing, but let's say tuition as an average, let's say in, in the yeshiva, more Haredi community, let's say an average of tuition is somewhere between eight and $15,000, like closer to eight if you live in Lakewood, closer to $15,000 if you live in Farakaway or in town yeshivas in Brooklyn, it's a little bit less. And you have four or five kids that you're putting through yeshiva and you've got a traditional Jewish Orthodox lifestyle with yamim tovim and with tutors and with maybe a little bit of therapy and a little bit of like everything else that's going on, right? Chances are just to wake up in the morning and pay full tuition and everything else that's going on, you need to be earning $200,000 plus pre-tax. Not everybody. And there are ways to mitigate that. But if you're living in the tri-state area at the very least, and, and, and you know what a good way, a good barometer that I like to use sometimes to try to to try to um, identify where um, like where the line is, is where schools give scholarships, tuition reductions, at what's the level that schools give scholarships. So at some modern Orthodox schools, if you're earning less than $300,000 a year, you qualify for a scholarship, which is just like parenthetically, that's astounding. Hmm. Right? Like if you earn less than $300,000 a year, right, the top four percentage of income earners in America are earning more than $300,000 a year. So if you're earning less than $300,000 a year, you qualify for financial aid. Amazing, right? In some schools, it's 200,000. Some schools, it's, it's it depends on how many kids you have and there's a formula that they use. Some schools use a formula of 20% of the total income goes to pay tuition. So if a family is earning 200,000, the schools expect $40,000 of that to be paid in tuition divided among the kids. So if it's $40,000 and there's five kids, so it's $8,000 a year in tuition. So what I sort of find interesting, and I've worked with a number of schools across the country over the years, was I, what I find interesting is I always ask them, like, what's your tuition scholarship threshold? And by doing that, you get the idea of what those schools think that people in their community need to be earning in order to pay all their other bills and that's how they make the calculation. Now, some of you can argue some of them are too aggressive, some of them are not aggressive enough, some of them do it based on how much they need to keep their lights on. But ultimately, like just to go to round it out, ultimately what that means is that our families forget forget extravagant spending. No extravagant spending. We can talk about that later. Like no extravagant spending. Our families need to be earning 
in the top four, five, six percentage income in Amer- earners in America just to be making ends meet, not to be rich, not to like buy a boat, buy an extra car, like drive a Mercedes. Like if you speak to the average non-Jewish person on the street that's earning $250,000 a year, they have money to put away for retirement. They're, they're probably driving a beautiful car. They've got a second house somewhere. Our $250,000 earners are like trying to figure out whether or not they qualify for financial aid to send their kids to school, oh right? So that's like, it's, it, it, it's, it's important. Now, again, there's mitigating circumstances. You can move, you can live in a smaller house. You can live in an out-of-town community. You can live in Lakewood where tuition is, is lower. And like, we can talk about all of that. But like averages, just like averages, we have like with no extravagant spending, we are asking a lot from the average family. It's a big deal. So why address this? Is is this is this something people are clamoring for? Are they suffering without even knowing that they're suffering? Is we're if we were to ignore this, right? Put our head in the sand. Where where would this go, right? I'm imagining people are getting older. Are they working longer? What's 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 the current status of of people's careers as they enter in their sixties and seventies? I'm imagining they're supporting families that are may not have the funds. Um, I know we discussed this prior to the show, but I'd love for you to enlighten the audience. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think there's two separate questions there. The first is why are we even talking about it at all, right? Like if there, there's some people like are going like so so what? So you're telling us how hard it is? Like what's the point? And then we'll get into the into the retirement thing. So the first thing is again, it goes to what we were saying before. Basic hishtadlus, basic hishtadlus, I think requires people to have an understanding. And this is not my thinking. This is my hadracha from my rebbeim. Basic hishtadlus means understanding what the realities are and making decisions based on your perspective on Yiddishkeit and your perspective on Judaism and Ashkafa, based on that, making decisions. So the answer is, the first thing is, if you can educate, if you can, with with kosher money, if you can educate a population on the types of issues that they need to take into account, then people can start making decisions earlier. They can start planning better. They can understand. It's funny. Like some people are like, "Listen, I, I don't want to. I don't want to come for financial counseling because I, I know I'm not making it right. Like I know I, I don't have any money. Like credit card companies are calling me all the time. Like I, I don't. I, like what's the point? I know I don't make enough money. Right? You're going to tell me I don't make enough money. And then what's really interesting is when you get into it with them and you get into their budgets with them and they can make some decisions on where they want to save and they make decisions on maybe they want to earn a little bit more, maybe take a second job. And then they realize that part of their problem actually isn't that they're not making enough money. Maybe part of the problem is they're paying 28% interest to a credit card every month. And if you can help them renegotiate their credit card and you take out that piece of it, guess what? They're actually very close to making ends meet. And you just need somebody to help them understand the issues. Like there's another famous Chazal, which I quote all the time because I think it's an amazing insight into the human into human nature, is in Chavosh Matir Atzmomi Beis Asurim, which basically means a person who's in prison can't free himself. What does that mean? It means that a person who's caught up in their own problems, very often you just need somebody else to help them articulate and understand it better and help them wor- and work with them towards a solution. And they'll see things that they never ever would have seen, like in their own in, in their own in their own challenges. So, education is a fantastic thing. Bringing these issues to light and helping like educate people, fantastic. And then you were talking about the second part of your question was, well, are people working longer? 
and and the answer is, I mean, I you know somebody who I, I respect very much and is a very important Osik Bitsar Chetibur, who I'm not going to quote by name, he said, you know, what he said to me was the, the one of the biggest ticking time bombs in Klal Yisrael today, and he's saying this from a place of intense knowledge, is the fact that people are working. Uh, that, that the fact that people are working to make these payments, they're supporting their children in, as, after they get married, and they're not saving for retirement. Mm. They don't have the money to be able to retire. They don't have a plan to be able to retire, not necessarily even due to any fault of their own. But it's going to be a, a very significant issue. You know, If people want to work until they're 75 or 80 or whatever, then great. But in other words, many people don't. Many people may not be able to. What are we doing as a klal? As a tzibor, what are we doing to help and to help guide and to help provide advice? And obviously, people need to talk to their own rabbi. People need to talk to their own financial planners. And that's that's for sure true. If they have a financial planner. If they planner. have a financial planner, exactly. I feel like 98% of people listening to this are like, all uh, right, yeah. So, Yako, do you, do you have a guy? No. You don't have a guy? Are you? Could you be my guy? I'm not a guy. Uh, I need a guy. Do you, you don't, you don't I, even, I, I, you knowing all of these issues, you do not have a well, financial plan. You know what? The truth, truth is, sure we, does. no, no. So with the truth is we, we put our, like, we're, I'm very conservative. So I'm like a terrible, like, I'm excited for the investing issue, like episode because yeah. I need that. But I'm like terrible. Like I'm always convinced the stock market's about to crash. Like uh, totally. Like, you remember Naftali Horowitz was on your, on your, po- on your uh, uh, podcast. Meaningful that you people. Done. Meaningful people. Yeah. Are we, are we saying meaningful people? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Yeah. Cause I, I think you're a meaningful person. Oh, but, thank but, you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, we, we joke that I'm not, he's the meaningful and I'm the people. <laughs> that's but, a good joke. That's, yeah. a, that, that, that's a funny meaningful. joke. But, that's but, a funny but joke. What, what were you referencing? No. So Naftali was on your, on your podcast, right? And, and it was the first time I had ever heard him. I was totally blown away. And we actually reached out to him to, um, you know, to start living smarter Jewish with us. And he is and which we're really excited about. But, you know, he was talking about like investing and you just need to like get into the market and not think about it. And I like, I was speaking to him on a call afterwards and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm terrified. Like I'm convinced the market is like the highest it's ever been. Right. I'm like, you never invest in the market when it's the highest it's ever been. He's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, see, like, I, I need a guy. Right. Everybody right. needs a guy. It's funny you, you, you mentioned him because meaningful people, we try to you know, talk to people about their lives, what they've been up to. And what I walked away with that was like, I want someone like Naftali Horowitz to feed me so much more information that right. I don't know that that's not what we're doing. But I, I really hope and, and I really believe kosher money is going to tackle these it's not about the people here, it's about the topics. Exactly. And it's about the conversations that we're maybe too scared to have or it's difficult to have. Or we don't even know we, we need to have. Exactly. exactly. And um, so, like someone like him would love, you know, yeah. to, for Ellie to sit down with him and go through what he's great at and to teach what he's good at. Yeah, and Zevi, sure. there are people out there that have the knowledge and the skill sets to help other people, right? It's not that we're living in a world where the tools aren't available, it's that people aren't familiar with the strategies and the tools available to better themselves. 100%. And that's, yes. And we want to, and part of our goal with Living Smarter Jewish is to make those tools available to everybody free of charge. And so we're not going to be everybody's like financial planning guy, but we want to at, le- at the very least make counselors available to people to call, like, and to a- to be able to ask questions, to have them look at their budgets. And I just want to say at this point also, like, plug for, like, Living Smarter Jewish is the OU. 
Sure. Right. So if I can at this point. So the OU is, I think everybody knows the OU, like the, the, the Kashras organization. They're also, they have so many different departments. And one of their departments is community services. And the goal of the community service department is to partner with organizations like Living Smarter Jewish and Kosher Money as a podcast to elevate communal values. And like the OU feel like, and, and Rabbi Moshe Hauer and, and Moshe Bain, who's, who's the president of the OU, they feel very strongly that financial literacy is a, is a Torah value. It's not like some, somebody once went to Rav Hutner, they say the story with Rav Hutner, you're Chaim, Chaim Berliner, right? Yes. So yes. You'll, you'll appreciate this story. Me Go too. Ahead. Yeah, Me too. for sure. Oh, you too? Yeah. You're Chaim Berliner also? Elementary, but... I, I, we won't hold it against... No, no, no I, I want to be no. in, involved No, no, in no, that. I'm just... I'm, I'm kidding. I'm from <laughs> out of town. I don't get to hold it against anybody. No, no. So they say the story. I heard the story from Rabbi Howard yesterday. Somebody went to, to, to Ruf Hutner and was talking to him about how challenging their job was and that they don't have like a work-life balance and their job was so hard. And it's like, I, you know, I'm a yeshiva guy. I went, I was sat in Kolo and my, like my job is, it's brutal. And, and, and Ruf Hutner said to him, he says, you know, you're looking at it the wrong way. He said, it, it's not two houses. Like, okay, my work is one house and then I go home and like, that's where I learn and, and I have my family. He's like, it's one house with two rooms and you have to balance the two, understanding that both of them, you're living in, 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 like the, in, 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 a, in a Jewish context, right? And, it, and you have to have the right hashkafa for both of them because working is a Torah value finances are a Torah value. I actually have a Rambam here that I'm going to read. Can I, can yeah, I, can I read from notes? Because I didn't please. memorize the Rambam. I yes, was always terrible at that. This is a podcast first, video second. Go ahead. I okay. actually argue with that. You actually, sorry, you can't read it. We wanted you to memorize it. So therefore... I'm sorry. So then you won't have the benefit of the no, Rambam. No, no, no. Please read no, it. Okay, please okay, read okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. So he says, in, in Hebrew, Yoser atzmo ayatriach velo v'hatzlachaso memono kifi beso... I'm reading this the wrong way. Okay, I, would, gonna, I would say you just... Could you read, read the English? English? Yeah. I'm going to read this in English. A disciple of the wise adjusts his affairs judiciously. He eats, drinks, and supports his family within his material success, and he should not overburden himself more than necessary. That's it. The wise men commanded and said, the Chachamim, ever let a man eat less than what his financial means allow. Dress within your means, but honor your wife and children with even more than your means allow. Mm. So that was that was like to get the women listeners in here so that they, they can sure. tell their husbands that, right, there's yeah. no, no budget when it comes to and spending. And the kid listeners. It's the Rambam, that's and right, the and the kids, listeners. toys. I, I have a toy company in my spare time. So like oh, this no is, way. Yeah, yeah, so I'm plugging my toy company. Oh. <laughs> so the, well, what's, what's, what's the name the of Rambam? that? What's the name of that? I know I'm, you're am not I allowed ready. To, am I allowed to do that? Yes. Why I'm not? That? Yeah, it's make it real. We, we make girls toys, for like girls activity, arts and crafts, stationery, awesome. cosmetics. So yeah, so I make toys for a living. So you touched on children, right? Yes. Is is that where we need to start educating people or is that a bit early? I know that's going to be a conversation sure. into, unto itself. Yeah, such a good question. Um, children, yes, absolutely. You cannot start early enough. Mm. And Masila actually has, this is this organization, Eretz Yisrael, they have a phenomenal English language curriculum mm -hmm. for schools, Torah approved, Godel approved, like it's a fantastic curriculum. We're not reinventing the wheel, like strongly encourage people to use that curriculum in schools. And we're working. We're working with. We're working with schools. We're working with rebbeim and principals to, to because again, pe the problem is that people look at it as two separate things. There's like the finance stuff, which I hate. I know is a problem, and I don't want to deal with. And then there's like my Torah life and my Yiddishkeit, and it's like no, like it. No, it's not two different things. When it comes to working for a business or starting a business, have you seen? 
and and I again I think this will be a conversation or its own episodes where we talk to actual business owners, right? Is do, do you think that is the one of the solutions where in order to make it as, as an orthodox Jew with your finances, you need to start a business because working for someone else just won't cut it or that's not necessarily the the solution here. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you're like going to start me on like a, a, on a monologue here. So and again, like what we're trying to do in this episode, I feel like is just like give people like a taste of what's sure. to come. Yes. But it's it's such an interesting question because the reality is there are, there's 15 million entrepreneurs in the United States, meaning that entrepreneurship is a relatively small percentage of actual like as a percent of entrepreneurship versus career, relatively fewer people are involved in entrepreneurship. In the Frum community, in the Orthodox community, we have a much, much higher percentage of entrepreneurs. Um, part of that is because there are different sectors in the Orthodox community where children are not encouraged to go to college and pursue post-secondary school education or even high school education. And by definition, what that leads to is when they're coming to, when they want to earn a job, entrepreneurship is really the easier way to go. And we have, like, I think, um, I think BuzzFeed did a, an article on Amazon sellers in the Orthodox community. Like, and I think something like a, a crazy high percentage of third-party sellers on Amazon are Orthodox. Mm. Sure, they have and conferences dedicated. Conferences dedicated to it. Yes. It's incredible. So I'm going to put a I'm going to put a plug in for another organization that that I I run. It's called the Jewish Entrepreneur. And Maybe just tell us which organizations you're not involved <laughs> with, and we'll work that way. Yeah. So yeah, what's so, the Jewish yeah, Entrepreneur? Yeah, so the Jewish Entrepreneur is an organization we started five years ago, and the goal was to aggregate mentors who are like successful people in the Jewish community around the world and match them with people looking to start or grow their businesses. So we have currently have 350 mentors active. Amazing. We were averaging 600 matches a year and we're up to about 2,400 matches made over the last four years between people and and like, thank God, like the numbers of like the, the increased revenue that people attribute to having a mentor, we track it like super closely. I was gonna ask, what, is how like, do you is, measure is, success it, there? Yes, so it's a really good question. How do we measure success? And the only way we we know how to measure successes by asking the mentee, did you feel like this was a good experience? And can you give us like an estimate of like how much money you earned based on having a mentor? And so the numbers are in the tens of millions of dollars, thank God. So like we're really, really happy and excited about about the growth of that. And again, it's on it's it's the achrayas, it's the responsibility of our community to go where the issues are and try to present solutions, which is what I feel like we're doing here. And so we saw that there are so many people that are opening businesses, but the reality is, first of all, not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Like I have to say, that's the first answer to your question is not everybody who wants to start a business should be an entrepreneur. Like there's a profile, again, there's a profile of what a successful entrepreneur looks like. Somebody who is has a certain level of risk tolerance, the ability to get knocked down and, and, and come back again. Somebody right. who's not afraid to, to, to hear the answer no. Like somebody who is able to, you know, have a certain level of detail oriented and is able to track budgets. See budgets? See what we did there? We're like, <laughs> like, that. We're like put in a play for, right, right? Somebody who's able to, to track budgets and somebody who's able to manage people. Somebody who's well-spoken and is able to interact with different stakeholders and make it all work, right? 50% of all businesses fail in the first five years and 80% of businesses fail in 10 years. That's from the SBA, the Small Business Administration's numbers. So at the end of the day, it's very risky. And also, one second, another thing, starting a business needs money. A lot of money. So we have great organizations like EPI and Hebrew Free Loan Society that are there to lend people $50,000, $75,000 interest-free, right? 
amazing. So I've been running EPI's branch in Baltimore. We've, we, we only lend people $25,000 interest-free, payable over three years. And it's a, it's, it certainly helps. But at the end of the day, every business owner is eventually going to need to develop a relationship with a bank where they're able to bank and get loans and be able to fund the growth of their business. So entrepreneurship is difficult. But for some people, it's unfortunately, for some people, it's the only choice because they don't right if they're if somebody starts thinking about their Parnassa at 27, 28. And I'm not and again, we're not suggesting that you do this or don't do that. Just we're trying to, like, mm -hmm. you know, qualify a story. If somebody's 27, 28 and they're thinking about they're leaving Colo, they're thinking about their Parnassa for the first time. There are great organizations that are out there to help them and find either a job or a career as best they can. And and that's fine. But at the end of the day, if you're 28 thinking about it for the first time and you you now have two or three kids that you're paying tuition for and you've got to be earning like maybe at that young age, maybe 100, 190, 100, 120,000 a year, you may not want to start school to become an accountant where your opening salary is going to be 50,000 or 60,000. Now, it could be that that's fine and you have people to support you. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, entrepreneurship for some people is the only option that they have. And but we we consider at TJE the Jewish entrepreneur we consider our success as much when we help somebody be successful in their business as when we tell somebody don't do that because you're going to lose seventy five thousand dollars of your mother and father in law's money. Interesting. Like, A factor that I think that comes into play here also that at least I see this. I have certain friends that are you know from. Uh, um, a background that they're extremely wealthy, and then I have certain friends that they're from a background that their parents were always struggling financially. And it's so interesting to see like the tone and types of conversations. And and I remember specifically a friend like he was so surprised, like like why can't they come out to eat? Like it's so crazy. And it was like no, like I, I feel like maybe we were in the in the middle. I don't know, but um. It was so interesting, and and the other side was always like presenting and and upset about it. And there's kind of a little of a not little. There's a divide in the from community of the uber rich and then the uber struggling. And hopefully, we'll help people yeah. get an achdas over and, here. And that's such an that's that's a really good point because the Orthodox Jewish community is probably unlike most communities in the world in terms of how we're structured. Give me an example. If you take somebody who grows up as a blue-collar son of a police officer in the Bronx, right? Chances are they're, all of their neighbors are all sort of in that same strata. Blue-collar workers, maybe a white-collar job, but in other words, more or less living within the same strata, within the same neighborhoods. And they're not necessarily growing up looking at like some hedge fund manager on the 50th floor of, of the World Trade Center going, okay, I want to be like that guy, like that guy, right? He earns $50 million a year. That's my aspiration. And that's like that most part of the world, because what you, you, at the end of the day, the, the, the hedge fund manager is probably living in, you know, wherever it, a gated community somewhere with other people in the same, you know, financial, social strata. And that's just the way it works. It's segregated. In the Orthodox community, it's not. And, and this is what is the source, and this is exactly what you were saying, right? Like I went to school, and we all went to school, with people at every single different financial level, like some people whose fathers were a Rav, or a Rebbe, or in Kolo, sitting right next to, in shul and in school, the, the, the child of a really successful hedge fund manager, or attorney, or you know whatever. And we grow up together, we go to each other's houses to play, we sit next to each other in shul, and at the end of the day, we have, it can cause certain tension and aspirations, but, but 
like my, my rabbi, Rabbi Howard, said, like when I had this conversation with him, he said something really interesting. He said, think, think of the beautiful side of that. Think of the, of, of the, the average person, let's say like a, an average balabas who has a son who comes to shul and the son looks at the rav or like a Rosh Hashiva who also davens in the same shul and says, I aspire to that. Like I want to be a gadol when I grow up and I have exposure to gadolim just and to, to really like superstar people. You know, so it really it really cuts both ways. But to your point, yeah, it's like our community is a melting pot of every single different financial strata, and we're all together. It's a classless society. We don't have classes in our community. Beautiful. In in terms of the topic, when it comes to finance, the kosher world, I would imagine people have different opinions, right? Um, I do think that some of the things we'll discuss throughout the episodes will be considered hot button topics. And I don't expect every guest to agree with every guest. Um, and, and same with the audience. I, I do think that there will be things here discussed that maybe an audience member has a different opinion, right? I, I do see this as, and I'm particularly excited about the Q&A episodes where people will write in, submit whether via video, email, voice, where, note. voice notes, where they'll discuss with us their questions and then we'll have um, guests answer it. But it, it's it's not naive for us to think this will be somewhat of a character-forming experience, right? A hundred percent. I mean, yes, we, we, we are very much expecting people to disagree, even strongly disagree, with either what we're saying today or with what any of our future guests are going to say. And that's totally okay. I mean, and that's really what we were trying to say, I think, also in the beginning of the podcast, which is like, it's okay. It's okay for everybody to have a different answer to the same question. That's completely okay. Our goal is not to tell people, here's what you should do. Our goal to, is to tell people, here's the story as best we know it. Here's what we see. Here are the statistics. Here's like a little bit of like a view from like uh, uh, an elevated, like from, from, from an eagle's eye you know, point of view and from what we're seeing and then make your own decisions in terms of how of what what are what's what are your priorities what are the things that are are most important to you and then you know some people it's super important like Yaakov you were telling me you 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 don't think you could move out of town yeah it's um I'm classic is that true well I kind of did I'm from I'm from Flatbush and now I'm living in Farakway so I feel like I I moved out of town only a New Yorker would say yeah I know but that's what I mean nobody out of town that's what I mean but explain that you you feel that 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 lifestyle or just living out of town wouldn't wouldn't fit your yeah so I, I genuinely am jealous of people living out of town because there's a simplicity that you talk to anyone and they're like it's just so nice and it's usually the New Yorkers that you talk to that move to Florida or Texas or wherever and they are able to like they have a glow to them right not just from the tan <laughs> and um, I I just I'm so spoiled with having access to the city and having so many minyanim and the food and the people I have so much access to people that I, I'm like I don't think I'll be like my wife maybe mm -hmm. would be open to it but I I'm just mm -hmm. you know we're we're, we're, we're staying together so uh, she's gonna stay in New York I guess so, so if they open the right restaurants maybe they would be able to entice you no that, that's part of it. like the restaurants are a tuffle but it's just even the slower mentality, like it gets yeah. me anxious in a certain way. Like right. I, I like the fast pace. Um, 
Right. So on that note, Zevi, do you see more people moving out of town for financial reasons? Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, if you, there are communities like in Texas and Ohio and the Aguda and the OU are both like making this a priority to advocate for tuition vouchers. And if you have Republican government, Republican state governments that are offering tuition vouchers, it's the, the cost of sending your kids to school in Cleveland and Columbus is infinitely less than it is in, in, in New York. And I mean, tuition, and yeah, it's, it's... But on the flip side, the income opportunities are, are also lower. So yes, and 16 months ago, that would have been a much more powerful statement. Right. But now post-COVID, we're seeing a huge opportunity for people to be able to make moves that they never were able to and work remotely. And there's major corporations that are saying in perpetuity, we're completely comfortable with people working remotely. So it is more of an option. And just to go back to something you said before, I think one of the things that I'm really excited about for these coming episodes and like in between episodes is to hear people's questions and people's personal, like this is so personal for everybody. Like how many people are there in Claudia's role that go, no, I, I, I never have to worry about money. <laughs> like I always have money for anything that I want. Even the, I mean, besides for Yaakov. Like, <laughs> no, but even the richest person they need to know how to manage their money or yeah. invest their money or, or for their children, they want it to grow. So it, it I mean, affects... hopefully they have a guy for that. Like no. if they're relying on us, then like... <laughs> for yeah, sure. but, but there's a component there that even the wealthy need to educate their children and, and want to sure. set them up in a way that if for whatever reason that money dries up, they want them to have the tools to be smart. And, and also to understand everyone, you yeah. know, yeah. like it, it's it's... For sure. It's a struggle somewhat. Yeah. So no, and I think the other thing that's really important is even and I, I, again, I'm like I promise myself that like we're not getting controversial here, but like the the idea of like what we were saying before that it's a Torah value to live a financially responsible lifestyle and not to live a lifestyle even if you can of being over the top. Like I'm quoting the Rambam here, so I'm like hanging my head on him. <laughs> but like no, really, like li to not live lifestyle over the top even if you can afford to, because we were talking about before everybody lives together. Right. So if 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 like I, I was just talking to somebody from one of the schools here in New York who said like they had to stop doing bas mitzvahs for everybody because like the really wealthy people were like spending a fortune to deck out the gym and it was getting like everybody had to do it and everybody had to have party planners. Like I didn't have any sisters growing up, but like I would imagine like 20 years ago, bas mitzvahs probably didn't involve party planners and like, <laughs> you know, uh, deco, you know, whatever, like <laughs> massive things with entertainers. Um, so like, I think the, the, the Torah value of living a lifestyle of measured, of, like measured decisions and living like derecha like the middle road, not going over the top on either way, because what you do has an impact. What everybody does has an impact and you see it. Like you, 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 you can see, like you can ask any mechanic, ask any teacher, ask any rav. What what people are doing and the, the decisions they make and the vacations they take and the cars that they drive, it has an impact on the people around them. And nobody's immune to it, especially kids who don't have like this well-developed sense of like what's right and what's wrong and what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Kids are hugely impacted by that. And then by dint of that, parents are are, are, are impacted. So like for people, if, if we could have even like a tiny influence on on, on like people appreciating like Rebbe Hauer and I keep coming back to him, he's, he's been my row for 14 years. He said like the goal of, of living smarter Jewish and kosher money, like one of the goals is, is to get people to realize that it's a lot more comfortable to drive a 10 year old car that you've paid off than to drive a new BMW or Lexus that you have no idea how you're gonna pay for it. So true. Like it's so much more comfortable. And like if, if, if that like even like a little bit we can like 
help and our guests that we'll have like can can help provide like some Torah perspective on that and like it's, it's this yeah. is so aligned with I just want to talk about I you know I know I know Ali mentioned it in the intro but kosher money is under the you know living lachaim umbrella and collaborating with uh um, with with living uh, smarter, smarter Jewish, yeah. and I'm, I don't want people to get confused. Living, living, yeah. but um, the, the the idea with the word lechaim in there, obviously we all know it's like classic, like bageling, like a lechaim, and you know it's associated sometimes with with um, making a lechaim on and a bracha and, and with uh, with a drink, but that the goal of this is to help people have that peace of mind that we're always. You know, as at least as I get older, I'm always like thinking about this. It's always in the back of my head, like, okay, I have a responsibility. It's in the soup in my ksuba to provide for my family, and and, I'm, and my wife has it on her head, and and I'm sure family, fa- everyone has that to some extent. And the goal is to have these conversations, and maybe we're not answering all the questions, and there's probably millions of episodes we could do. But the goal is that someone has that feeling after though, like, you know what? This is opening up a conversation, and you know, I, I I'll start to be able to deal with my finances better because exactly. of this. Yeah, and 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 like you said, like we, I hope that everybody who listens to this episode sends in a question. Like we may not get to all of them, but like we'd love to hear stories. We want to hear people's stories because by hearing people's stories, it helps articulate and define for us what we need to be talking about. So yes, like if you're listening, please like send us a voice note. We'll do it in the, like we'll give the number or yeah. whatever. Yeah, in the outro. In, in the outro, yeah. yeah. So um, it's we're, we're we're really excited about. This. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that's the theme to elucidate and. Help. That's a very fancy word. Can you can you translate? Yes. Can you it's translate an art scroll word. <laughs> you can tell yeah. I'm a learned individual. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I, uh, some... You didn't tell us about your background. I, I, I'm like I followed you before you knew who I was. So that can is you just, correct. Like, you, yeah. So I'm don't Ellie. Be modest. Um, I'm the brother of a co-host of oh, Meaningful gosh. People podcast. <laughs> wow. Uh, my background is in digital media marketing. Mm-hmm. I work um, in an agency that is focused on supermarket marketing specifically, but digital marketing, email marketing, Mm -hmm. social media management, online reviews. Um, My background before that was at CNBC. So Mm -hmm. it was... Name drop. That's what you do like on Meaningful, right? You like name drop. (laughs) Right. Um, So I spent almost four years there and I sat in the newsroom, which was kind of cool. Not many Orthodox Jews get to sit with the yarmulke inside a massive news corporation's headquarters. Um, so I got that exposure, and people say, hey, why did you leave? Right. You know, that's really cool. That's what I was going to ask. The problem is cool doesn't pay the bills. Ah, so, right? see, I like how you brought that yes. like, full circle to yes. kosher money. So there, there was a need to not necessarily work harder, but try to find opportunity that will help me pay my bills, right? right. I didn't want to be in a two-bedroom apartment with three kids. It's just, it just doesn't work. So I had to leave there and look look for other opportunity in Baruch Hashem. Um, I've been fortunate to start something great here together with great people. Um, but I'm particularly excited to learn, um, meet people that have answers um, to questions people don't know they even need to ask. Right. And I think it will be very beneficial for the community, like you said, even if we make um, a tiny impact here. Yeah. So you so you're saying if CNBC was listening to this and they wanted to like raise your salary and bring you back, you'd be open to that. That's what I'd you're be saying. Open. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And on that note, and on a serious note, I think we should always be open to having conversations, right? Oh. We shouldn't turn people away when they have 
um, insight or um, an idea. Right. I think specifically when it comes to finances, people should be open, whether they think they might have the answers or not, right. they should be open to discussing and being more transparent. I know when it comes to mental illness, we've come a long way in our community For to sure. sort of break that um, stigma associated with it. I would like to see the same when it comes to from finances. For sure. And it's actually funny you talk about mental health. So. Uh, I'm involved with Relief, which is a mental health organization. Oh, gosh, another. Okay, stop. No, no. I, I, that wasn't like a name drop. Like, an I'm, amazing I'm organization. Like, um, it's an amazing organization. And what's fascinating is, like, it's exactly what you said. It's like mental health used to be totally taboo, mm. right? People didn't discuss it. Nobody talked about it. It happened. It's like the, the idea of why Relief was founded was you can ask a person can ask their brother-in-law if they know a good cardiologist, but they can't ask their brother-in-law if they know a good psychotherapist, right? Mm. So Relief was founded, okay, call us, we'll tell you based on the situation, like who the right person is for you. And then like as Mishpacha was doing more and more articles on mental health and stuff like that, and suddenly it became, it went from like taboo to like people like putting on shizuch, shizuch resumes, like list out the therapists, right? Is that real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not in Shidduchim. I'm not right? in Shidduchim, and I, my kids are too young <laughs> right, for Shidduchim. Right, otherwise, same. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Right. <laughs> um, it's going to be around, Mitch, when they're in Shidduchim. We'll cut out up. that. We'll have to like go back and okay. cut out this part. Okay. Like, just but that's make, make a Pe- note. People are putting. I, that's what I've heard. I don't, right, I don't right. know. But okay. That's what I, I've heard. That maybe it was said in jest, but I don't think so. Okay. I think it's a thing. So, but but I guess but the idea is like if we can through this sort of initiative, Living Smarter Jewish and Kosher Money, like we really believe that by starting the conversation, whether you agree or disagree with what we said or what anybody said, totally fine. But by starting the conversation, you're halfway to, to getting where you need to get. And I'll say something else. Like one of the things we were always asked in Mesila was, like, so what does it help if you do a budget for somebody and they're short at the end of the month? And they can't work anymore. They can't get another job. They're already working three jobs or whatever it is. So what's the, what's the point? So you do it for them. They're short. They don't have, they, they don't have right? And the an, you know what the answer is? Like what somebody, what I heard from so what somebody said? Because it makes them a far better candidate for tzedakah. Mm. By somebody working out their budgets and cutting out and making sure they're not spending more than they need to on credit card interest rates or on you know, other things or whatever it is. And they're, they, they're really living like the best life that they possibly can. And then with that, they need, we, we have amazing tzedakah organizations that are there for people and that give enormous amounts of tzedakah. But you know what the best way to help those organizations is? Help people live financially responsible lives, even if they're still short at the end mm. of the month and they need a little bit of help. Like that's a huge help to making our tzedakah agent, uh, uh, and our, our tzedakah organizations more efficient. Love that. Love so, that. And so I think we're all excited here. Yeah, this we is We have... A lot to look forward to, and I think the as the audience grows and, and the episodes start filling up the streams, um, we'll be on YouTube, we'll have a website, people will be able to submit questions, and I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This is really cool. Thanks for coming down. Thanks, Absolutely. Abby. That was a great episode. There you have it. One in the books. I, I just want to clarify. I'm only on the first episode. I'm not going to be on the other ones. You're going to. Yeah, we didn't. Up. We didn't have budget for uh, <laughs> Yaakov for future episodes. But you were great. Thank you. I thought Zevi was great. Really set the table on what, why we're doing this and what to expect in future episodes. Yeah, he's really good. He's one of those people that like not too many people know of him yet, but they need to get to know him. Right. And I know you've shot already. I don't want spoilers. You already shot the second episode. Third episode is already being made. So definitely, anyone who's listening to this should. Please, it's free, subscribe, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple or watching it on YouTube. 
and you get to see the journey that Ellie's going to be on and take us all through. I'm excited. Kosher money. It's where it is. Yeah. And uh, if you want to check out more information, you can go to livinglachaim.com. And we have a few phone numbers and emails that are still coming out. But uh, check out the rest of the episodes for all of that. So hit us up. We do love feedback, comments, questions, what you want to see on future episodes. Do not be shy. Um, I know the hate mail is probably coming in more, more so for Yaakov than me. But um, are you going to give them your personal self? Like, if you're really your heart's in this, yeah, I could, I could. Um, you can hit me up at. I, maybe, maybe not. Okay, maybe forgot not, that not yet. Uh, looking forward. We'll see you next week. I feel like you need to come up with a catchphrase to end it off with. You'll come up with it eventually. If you've just finished this episode and you're like, I still have questions, you could go to livingsmarterjewish.org to find out more there. LivingSmarterJewish.org, as you heard in this past episode, is where you want to go to get your finance questions answered. It's where you want to go to find someone who can possibly lead you in the right direction. If you have any questions, they're an email away, info at LivingSmarterJewish.org. That was a great episode. Looking forward to many, many, many more. You can find out more about Kosher Money by visiting livinglechaim.com and you can see the other podcasts that we're going to have there. This podcast has been hosted by my brother, Ellie Langer, produced by me, Yaakov Langer, and brought to you by Living Lechaim in partnership with Living Smarter Jewish, an awesome organization under the awesome umbrella of the OU. Till next time, enjoy life. Living Lechaim.